0: Previous guests have loved the experiences, especially because you can just show up and know that everything will be taken care of. Unmound Retreats is offering exciting and luxurious retreats in Morocco and Mexico. Go over to UnmoundRetreats.com and sign up to get on the email list so you can find out more. Welcome to the Found Down Podcast. This is a podcast of untold nursing stories that are sometimes hilarious, dark, insane, and anything in between. As a warning, this show is rated E and is mature in content. It often deals with the reality of life and death and how we as nurses intersect with that on a regular basis. If we laugh, it's not out of disrespect. We love what we do and have every intention of continuing to do so. With that, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Found Down Podcast. My name is Nicole Johnson. And today I'm so excited. I have one of my favorite nurses on this show today, Mandy Allen. She has been an ICU nurse for about four years, and she's actually in Chicago, Illinois, uh, working there, but she's in the middle of getting her doctorate in nursing uh, with the goal of becoming an acute care nurse practitioner so that she could work in the ICU. Today, we're going to talk about her experience working in a COVID ICU. Also, she ended up getting COVID, so we're going to talk about a bit about that. And we're going to talk a nurse down story, which to me was one of my most favorite Stories ever. I hope you enjoy it too. Welcome to the show, Mandy. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. It's so good to see you. It's so nice to see your face. Mandy was one of my most favorite nurses that I hired. I used to. I used to do the hiring at um, the ICU uh, co hiring, I guess, with my manager. And you had boundless energy and enthusiasm. How um, are you still? Are you still feeling that way these days? <laughs>
1: Um, I think it definitely comes in waves. There's a lot of things, especially even just reminiscing about the story that you and I um, experienced together, I think gives me a lot of joy and remember funny things in nursing. But yeah, it definitely has its ups and its downs. But um, going back in, to school and learning more things, I think I'm definitely more excited to, to be in nursing.
0: That's great. How, how are you holding up right now?
1: It's definitely been hard living in Chicago, being away from family, friends, um, especially during this time. I've only been here for about a year. And so um, honestly, most of that now has been in the pandemic. So it's definitely been a little bit rough. But thank goodness for FaceTime and phone calls and all of those things. They've been, yeah, life-saving for sure.
0: Now, you and your boyfriend, Alex, both left UW to pursue advanced degrees. What is he getting?
1: He's he's doing CRNA at Rush.
0: CRNA. Okay. And then you're getting your doctorate in nursing. That's really cool. I'm so excited for both of you. Thank you. What what has it been like for you working in the COVID ICU? Are you still there now? I'm actually not. So um, when I moved to Chicago,
1: a lot of positions for the ICU were strictly night shift. And that's just something that I didn't want to do during school. So I'm working in like a surgery center, a PACU, um, situation. But once COVID hit and the pandemic happened with my previous ICU experience, they shipped me to the COVID ICU. And yeah, it definitely was not how I envisioned re-entering the ICU. I mean, I'd only been out of the ICU for maybe like seven months or so, but it was definitely, yeah, it, it was, it was stressful for sure. I was nervous to be going back. Um, feeling like I might've forgotten things that I knew. Um, it definitely came like second nature again, but as far as policies and procedures and working at a new hospital, I think that was really challenging, especially with the patient population.
0: Hmm. Had it gotten to a place where you had to do team nursing or, or your crisis standards of care, or were you doing your regular sort of normal patient ratios of two to one?
1: Um, no, for a little bit, we did trial um, the team nursing it actually found to be quite difficult i don't know what it was like at other facilities but for us it didn't it didn't go over very well and we d- we didn't last doing it too long because they were pulling like acute care nurses and a lot of nurses from different settings pick you nurses um and then you know forming this whole team nursing and it was really challenging because you had one primary icu nurse overseeing roughly like four other nurses and you know, that still means you're responsible ultimately for what gets charted, what happens to the patients, all the interventions that take place. So I think there was just a lot of fear for the ICU nurses and feeling like they just truly couldn't manage um, the patients. And obviously there was a lot of stress for the nurses who had never been in the ICU before, hadn't seen that kind of acuity and (sighs) had try to do, you know, try to essentially work outside of, of their hired scope. So yeah, it was really stressful. I think we did, we trialed it for maybe about three weeks. And then there was just a lot of, I wouldn't necessarily say backlash, but yeah, a lot of verbalization of fear and just feeling like ultimately who's reliable if something happens um, and liable. So um, it, it didn't, it didn't last too long. So we ended up hiring like a lot of travel nurses at that point to come in and help in the ICU because we had converted the you to a third, um, adult COVID ICU. So we yeah. at one point had over like 70 adult patients with COVID.
0: Were most of them. That's a lot. That is a lot. It was a lot. Did, yeah. did, did your hospital stop surgeries to decompress? Yes. And so that's one of the reasons why
1: too, that they ended up pulling me is because there wasn't really a need for me to be in the surgical area. Um, So our surgeries only restarted about a month ago and we're slowly just like working up, definitely having to stagger times to limit people in the waiting room um, and all those kinds of things. Obviously no visitors or family members with patients who are coming to get surgery. And um, so, yeah, so that's why I was able to be utilized in the ICU, I think too, is because they really didn't need me in the surgical portion of the hospital.
0: When you were working in the COVID ICU, were was the majority of your were the majority of your patients on ventilators?
1: Yeah, I think I only had about three patients total who ended up being on high flow, but ultimately were intubated. Um, yeah, so I didn't have I didn't take
0: care of any patients that didn't end up being intubated. To be honest, mm, I know from some of our nurses who worked solely in our COVID ICU that it was felt very bleak there for a while, um, to just go in and see, um, patients basically get on a ventilator and do poorly and, um, never leave. Uh, what did, was that your sort of experience and what did you do to manage that? Yeah, it was, it was really devastating. And
1: I think that's one of the reasons why ultimately I was kind of excited um, for a break from the ICU is because, you know, we just had a high mortality rate on 6SA and mm-hmm. um, it just took a toll after three years. So when I wanted to go back to school, I knew I had to do something less mentally taxing. So having this be the situation that I enter into going back into the ICU was really difficult. And even just a couple patients that were on high flow that ultimately ended up being intubated and, and they passed away. That was, it was really devastating because I felt like I was able to talk with them, Mm. um, bring in iPads, have their family communicate with them, talk to family members over the phone and give them updates. And then just kind of knowing in the back of your head that they were going to end up being intubated and they probably wouldn't make it, I think was hard. Not that it was any easier coming onto a shift, seeing somebody already intubated, but I almost feel like it's easier to compartmentalize cause you didn't necessarily know them on, on a personal level. Yeah. So it was really hard. I had one, um, individual who was just doing the best he could to self prone. Um, I had him for the first couple of days and he was doing well. Um, he was able to eat still and be supine. And then after he was done eating, he would basically just have to prone himself in order to maintain oxygenation and, Each day it was just getting worse and worse where he couldn't even turn over because he would just automatically be in like the sixties or seventies. And, um, we knew that intubating him was going to be like a death sentence. So Mm -hmm. we were doing all that we could to not have to do that. Um, put him on BiPAP for some time and then, yeah, he ended up having to be intubated, paralyzed, was on dialysis, um, and was with us for multiple weeks and his wife was actually a nurse. So it was just really hard, I think, walking through that process. And I remember having the conversation with him about having to be intubated and knowing what that meant and making sure that he had spoke with his wife and all of those things. So the few patients that I did have that weren't intubated when I got to them, I think were were definitely my harder ones to process.
0: Yeah. I don't think ooh. I'm gonna try not to cry. I know, i I, don't know if you want. I think I don't know that people know out there that we are often the last ones to hear um them speak, you know.
1: Yeah. Woo. I know. <laughs> it's really I, heavy I a lot in his wife. <laughs> with you, yeah.
0: Um but how how do you take care of yourself when you're like uh having those rough days and knowing that the the outcome was like really poor um yeah, how did you, how did you manage that during that time, Mandy? Or maybe you didn't manage it. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: <laughs> to be honest, and I think there's a certain degree of like healthiness in crying, but I think there were some days where I just didn't even have tears to cry. It was really we other days like I would be very emotional and then some days I would want to cry and the tears just wouldn't come. Mm-hmm. Um I journaled quite a bit and I think I found journaling especially helpful as because I got COVID before I ended up going back to work and being in the COVID ICU. And so during my own COVID experience, I had to journal quite a bit, you know, because we didn't have, we don't have a lot of people. And even if we did, obviously we're social distancing here. So um, it was really difficult. Alex and I would just like talk about a lot of things that we were struggling with, do lots of journaling. Um, When I felt well enough, I was just working out um, listening to podcasts, reading, going for walks—like any anything that I feel like normal people typically do during this time. Nothing, nothing
0: crazy. But it, yeah, it was it was really hard. Mm. So, you and your boyfriend Alex both got COVID. Yes, if you both. Did you tell me a little bit about that? Was that in March that you both got it? I feel like you yeah. were like the well, first people I knew who had. I know it. I think that's what was
1: tough too, is we, we definitely took, um, we knew that it was real, um, and we took precautions, but it was so early that I think we, we just never anticipated getting it that, especially that at that time, to be honest with you, we flew to Seattle end of February. Actually, we were there like February 29th through, I think March 6th. And we got into Chicago and about two days after that, Alex started to, he got a mild fever. And at that time it didn't even constitute a fever that was worrisome for COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, Got a little bit of phlegm. He got some shortness of breath, body aches, and his lasted for about three or four days. But obviously because Seattle had one of the first kind of outbreaks, his school had asked like, has anybody recently traveled? And so um, once he got symptoms and everything, we were like, we should probably call and say like, Hey, we traveled to Seattle and you're, you're feeling a little bit sick. So we did. And sure enough, they wanted to test him, and he tested positive, which we knew it was a possibility, but I think we were, I just didn't, yeah, we didn't expect to be getting it. And when we went on the plane, I mean, we even wiped everything down with Clorox. We weren't wearing masks or anything at the time. Um, That just wasn't on our radar, to be honest with you. So when we found out he was positive, we weren't necessarily like devastated for him, but I think we were super fearful because we i just seen every single person that we love um, in Seattle. I was with my girlfriend and like her 30 kindergartners. I went to her classroom, um, saw my sweet Nana, my entire family. So I think we were more worried that we had given it to somebody else. So we called everybody that we knew, everybody that we saw, which was a a lot of people and just said like, Hey, Alex is positive. Um, Please, if you, feel any different, um, have any symptoms, like, please, you know, go get checked out. And thank goodness nobody ended up, not a single person ended up getting sick that we saw. So, and none of them have tested positive at all. So we were very relieved, um,
0: at that for sure. We were, we were super nervous. I feel like, well, at that point in time, like you said, we we hadn't gone to a ma- like everybody mask up culture. Oh, we did. We just were understanding that it was a thing, a thing here in Seattle, and that it was it was like around, but nothing had been shut down yet. Nope. Um, because I think things got shut down on the sixteenth of March.
1: Was it okay?
0: Yeah. Um, they were trying. Like people started to do less and less. I think like the week prior, and I think people were you know, like, but during that point in time, like we didn't really understand it. And like, there was no extra extra, extra precautions. Of the, like you said, the airport or like yeah. the grocery store anywhere. I, I wonder, I'm, I think he probably got it on the plane.
1: That's, that's what we're thinking since no one got sick that we saw. Um, we're assuming we got it in the airport flying back to Chicago, especially with the timeline of him getting symptoms a couple of days after we got home. Um, we definitely think it was like in, in the airport. So then you got sick. Yeah. So then I got sick and my, you know, my symptoms were so different from his that I didn't, I didn't think it was COVID. I mean, I obviously knew I was living with him and he was positive, but, um, based off of what we knew very little of what we knew so far, it just didn't seem like the symptoms I had were COVID related. Um, but because he had tested positive, Once I got body aches, um, that's kind of how mine started. I called and the department of health was like, yeah, since you, you know, you live with someone who's positive, it's important that we test you. And sure enough, I was positive as well, but I, you know, I never had any of the classic symptoms and now sure. Some of the symptoms I had are on the list, but for us, like it was all so new and very terrifying. I, I got body aches, like really debilitating body aches. I couldn't get up for like three days was miserable. Like my toes, the joints in my toes hurt, and my hands, like everything. Um, I then got these crazy Charlie horses, like in the palms of my hands, my calves, my legs. Um, wow, it was it was really bizarre. I had no respiratory symptoms. I mean, when I when we walked up to our apartment, we live on the third floor. I would get a little bit short of breath, but nothing nothing that I I would have assumed would be COVID related. Um, and then on the fourth day um, of knowing that I had COVID, I started getting like numbness and tingling in my arm. And I was definitely like really nervous. I think, you know, people always say like knowledge is power. Um, and <laughs> point, I was just like, ignorance is bliss. Like I wish I wouldn't have been a nurse because I'm running through all of these possible things that it could be. Um, I'm like, do I have a blood clot? I'm thinking like Gillian Beret. I'm getting like numbness and tingling in my feet and in my arms, and I'm just like picturing all the patients I've taken care of and all the viruses that people have gotten that then like trigger all these autoimmune diseases, and I'm like terrified. So I think ultimately <laughs> knowing things actually led to me being a little bit more fearful than I needed to be. So thank God for Alex for keeping me in check. He's like, you're fine, everything's fine but I did end up having discoloration in my arm after multiple days. And so I had to call um, the hospital. Discoloration. And and I I was literally showering with one arm, like moving my, like I couldn't really lift my arm. I had such fatigue that I couldn't hold like a coffee mug. Um, I'm obviously in school, I couldn't do typing. So I got very nervous. And so I called my doctor's office. And I said like, Hey, I'm a nurse. I know I have COVID. I've been sick for a few days. I've been monitoring my own symptoms, but my arm has progressively gotten worse. And today I now have discoloration and I'm worried. And, you know, I went through multiple people, they triaged me and they're like decided I ultimately had to come in and get an X-ray and do all this stuff for it. Um, and they never ended up figuring out what it is. They told me I possibly have like thoracic outlet syndrome. So I've been doing PT. Um, it's, it's just been wild. I have to go get a nerve test. Um, and they're thinking that COVID just like inflamed my nervous system. So how is your Wow. How is your arm now? My arm is doing much better. I'm still having a lot of pain, but I can obviously move it and use it. And I had been in a car accident multiple, multiple years ago. And so they're thinking that because I already had a prior injury kind of in my neck and my shoulder area that COVID kind of just really hit hard in that spot. So, um, but you know, at that point we had no idea. We didn't even know that like people were hypercoagulable any of this stuff. So I just started taking aspirin on my own, especially with the color change. I'm like, do I possibly have a clot? Mm -hmm. Um, and with the cramping in my legs and the tingling and stuff, I'm like, maybe I have clots in my legs. I mean, who knows? Maybe I did, but we both just started taking aspirin for multiple months. Um, and then once I got better, I ended up finding out that I was being sent to the COVID ICU. And sure enough, like all my patients were just clotting like crazy on heparin drips. Um, So I don't know, maybe I could have had something. I think it was too early to even know anything. They had no idea. Every time I would talk to my doctor, because I didn't sleep for months with like the cramping at night and the pain, um, they prescribed me Flexeril and, you know, from the muscle spasms and stuff. And just said, like, "We, we really don't know what to do. We don't even know this is a symptom of COVID, you know? So it was really hard. I think not knowing anything at the time was rough. And then knowing so much as a nurse, I think was more frightening. <laughs> like
0: I can see myself on a ventilator prone upside down. In no, yes. <laughs> oh and my God.
1: Oh my gosh. I like work with all these people. They're going to see, see me ass up. And you know, it's just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exactly, So yeah, definitely, definitely worrisome, but thank goodness we're both, we're both doing good, um, all things considered. So it was definitely scary. Lots of tearful, lots of tearful nights, calling and talking to family. Also that week interim, you know, we're just waiting and like hoping that nobody that we saw was going to be getting sick.
0: Oh my God.
1: Devastated knowing we gave it to someone, you know?
0: Yeah, that's really heavy. Yeah, it
1: was really heavy for a
0: while. I'm so glad you're doing okay now. Thank you. Hey there, you fabulous nurse you. Did you know that I have a self-care for healthcare business called Unwound Retreats, where we do virtual mini retreats that offer meditation and yoga? If you go to unwoundretreats.com right now and sign up for my email list, I'll send you over a free PDF of seven ways to de-stress at work and refill your cup. Also, you'll get to hear about my upcoming offerings for nurses, including a Nurses Moroccan retreat this June, 2021. After the year we're having, we are definitely going to need this. Again, go to unwoundretreats.com and sign up today. I wonder were you, for the patients that were, well, actually, I actually have a couple of questions. For the patients that you could talk to, would you tell them that you'd had it? And or did you did you decide not to?
1: That's a good question. No, you know what? I never, I never, I never told anybody. My coworkers had known that I had had it. Um, there was a couple people who had also ended up getting it. Um, but no, I never, I never spoke about it to any patients. I think I was just uh, really monitoring their care and looking at labs, like trying to learn stuff for myself. But I never expressed to them that I had had similar concerns or thought that I might also have had you know, some of these symptoms and.
0: Did you feel safer when you went back, when you went to the COVID IC, knowing that you'd had it? I'm yeah, sure
1: you-
0: I think I did. I definitely felt like I knew
1: what to anticipate, especially if I was to get it again. Right. Cause at that point we were like, could, could I get it? Could I not? I don't really, you know, I don't really know. So I definitely felt comforted knowing that I had been through it once. And if I got it again, that, maybe it would be similar and I could, I could get through it. But, um, funny enough, Alex has antibodies and I don't. So what? Yes. So as I worked in the COVID ICU, you know, I had this, not, I was doing all the appropriate precautions, everything like that. But I definitely had in the back of my head, like a sense of security thinking like, okay, I'm probably good. I have antibodies. I already had it. Um, and sure enough, I ended up getting tested. They offered it to employees and Alex got tested at Rush because that's where he goes to school and he had antibodies. And I didn't even think twice about it. I'm like, oh, great. Once I'm able to get tested, I'm totally going to have antibodies confirmed. No, I go and get tested and I'm negative for antibodies. So I called UIC and, you know, they couldn't tell me the sensitivity or specificity of the test. Um, And ultimately they were like, well, have you ever had trouble with vaccines before? Like the MMR and you never got antibodies? And I'm like, nope. So um it's possibly their test or maybe my body sucks. I have no clue, but I'm definitely now <laughs> nervous all over again to potentially get it.
0: Yeah. Shoot. I know. Yeah, that doesn't I mean, yeah, that doesn't make sense. But I guess I mean but yeah, enough, totally. Some
1: other coworkers who tested positive and were were sick, missed over a month of work like I did, um, didn't have antibodies either. So they're not sure. If it has to do with like possibly not triggering enough of an immune response or like a high enough viral load to produce antibodies, I I don't know.
0: Hmm.
1: It's it's wild. So I think there's just so much that we still don't know at all. But yeah, so I think my sense of security is gone. (laughs) Damn it! (laughs) It was close. I could taste it. I'm like, oh yes, you have them. I for sure have them.
0: Maybe oh. I'm like, hmm, maybe Alex could pa- pass some to you. Yeah, seriously. I'm like, okay, just like, let's,
1: I'll get some stuff from work. We can draw some of your blood. We can spin it ourselves. And I'll just, I am it
0: straight in the thigh. <laughs> Give it to me. Give me those antibodies. Uh, oh my gosh. What a wild Ooh. story. And you're absolutely right. Like we, we don't know what, what's going to come. Like what, what are, what people are going to know about COVID until for a long time to come.
1: I know. And I'm so glad though that symptoms and stuff have changed and evolved and they've been added to the list because I think it gives other people who are kind of getting these like super odd symptoms, even just crazy fatigue and the sense of smell and all of those things. Like at least now we know those are related because people could easily be spreading it and have no idea because they're like, Oh, I don't have a fever. I don't have, I'm not short of breath. So we're finding out more, but definitely not enough quick enough.
0: I just want to say for the record, so both you and Alex, you guys are in your 20s, right? Alex is in his 30s, but yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you're younger. um, And so, yes, you can get COVID and have symptoms. Absolutely.
1: Anybody is at risk for COVID. Wear your freaking mask, people.
0: Yes. Wear your freaking mask, social distance, do do your part. All the things, do them. Um, I thought we could switch gears. So there's a part of this, (laughs) there was a part of this show that I really want to tell some of those funny nursing stories that happen. Um, and hopefully this will come out well, but there was,
1: I'm crying thinking about it.
0: (laughs) There was the, the funniest 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 thing I think has ever happened I'm setting it up so no one's gonna think it's funny but <laughs> I, know, I know just all the hype just for a few time. just all the hype um there was this day I, I was in charge do you want to do you want me to tell her or do you want to tell it you can totally tell it and I'll, I'll set it up remember any tidbits um I'll throw them in but go for it there was this day that I was in charge, and I, uh, you had didn't been taking care of a patient, who um, had something up with her GI tract, and she had had I think an upper upper endoscopy to see what was going on, and a lower endoscopy, you know, colonoscopy to see if they could find I don't know if she was bleeding or yeah, or it was a lower
1: patient having bleeding, yeah.
0: Okay, and so sometimes they can give somebody this camera capsule to swallow to to capture, basically it goes down your entire GX, GI system to see if they can find out what was going on. Well, I don't even know if I knew that your patient was doing was having that done, but that's what was going on. So I'm like walking down the hall and I see you in standing in the doorway and you're like, just dumbstruck, <laughs> awestruck. And I'm like, what, are you okay? Because you're looking at me like, you didn't know <laughs> what just Don't happened about <laughs> me. And I'm like, Mandy, Mandy, are you okay? And you're you're like in your isolation gown and just like looking at me. I was like, oh, what gosh. happened? Yeah, also see diff so that was fun. <laughs> and you said to me, I was helping my lady have a bowel movement, and she, her camera capsule rocketed out of her ass and hit me on the Hit me on the head. It was, blo- At first I'm like,
1: what just hit me? I'm like, Nicole, do I have poop on my head? Like please just please do not confirm my worst views that I have C dip in my hair. Like, somebody help. And sure enough, the freaking capsule is on the floor. All I have to say though, saving grace is that I didn't have to fish through through that bucket of stool. At least it was just lo and behold, hit me in the head. <laughs> don't even know how that happened. I remember the reason I think I had called you over because you know, all of a sudden my patient has to get up and go to the bathroom. They're in (laughs) they're encephalopathic. I'm super stressed, you know, probably on pressers who, who even knows. And I'm like, Oh shoot, we got to get you to the bathroom. You're going to, you're going to blow, you know? So I'm like calling you trying to get my patient, get the commode. I, I can't even remember for some reason. I think the bucket wasn't in the commode or something because God bless someone who had probably cleaned it out and just like, didn't put it back in. But I remember I there was like poop on the floor. Then this thing hits me in the head. (laughs) I am just at a loss for words. (laughs) Thank goodness you were charged that day. I've never laughed so hard. I was crying. I felt so bad, but I was. (laughs) And I think at that point, I just left my patient sitting on the commode. I don't recommend that. (laughs) But yeah uh, oh my gosh, that was so funny.
0: Well, the thing too is that you obviously you had to keep keep your composure. That was it. yeah, because <laughs> you couldn't tell your patient that um, you just excuse me. On my head. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder about the poor person who had to watch the footage.
1: Yeah, you're going to see me like picking it up and staring at it. Like,
0: (laughs) We just bonked on your head and then went on the ground. Oh, my God. Yeah. The joys of nursing. That was that was just
1: really, really funny. I've never had anything like that happen.
0: You having that camera capsule hit you on the head was one of the funniest things I've ever witnessed in my entire life. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Oh, man. I'm so glad you were a part of that.
0: Because it's really hard to believe, truly. <laughs> the things we do for our patients. That's right. Hey, listen, we do actually care. We do, and uh, we, you know, we treat everybody with dignity and respect. It's just, you know, of course, we're human. We're going to have to have a laugh at t- mm-hmm. from time to time. Um, what a weird note to end on. Are is there any? Do you have any um, thoughts uh, or last words about from your episode today?
1: Um, I obviously don't work for UW anymore, but I just got to give it to you guys because I started there as a new grad and I did not know how, I mean, I knew how fabulous it was, but I had nothing to compare it to. And now working at a different hospital, I just miss UW so much. Like you guys really, truly provide the best care for your patients. And I feel like the nurses are set up super well to do that and supported, um, to do their job effectively. And I just truly can't wait to be back there. There's no place like it.
0: I'm so glad I met you and met everybody there. Yeah. That just made my heart swell. I love that. Um I am totally biased. I I I feel I haven't worked anywhere else in, in nursing, so I never I've left because I feel everybody keeps saying what you say when they leave. Yeah,
1: truly. And I knew it. I mean I loved, I seriously
0: loved success eight.
1: I was really truly sad to go. So I can't wait to be back. But Yeah. Like you said, like I had nothing to compare it to. That's where I started out. um, And now that I have kind of a point of reference, man, they're doing a lot of really, really great things for patients, staff, you name it.
0: We can't wait to have have you back. Is your ultimate goal to get both of you guys to finish school and then come back over here?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The Pacific Northwest is just our fave. And obviously all of our family and friends are there and ultimately we want to be back kind of in the UW system. So that's our goal. A couple more years.
0: Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for talking about working in the COVID ICU and your experience with COVID, sharing some funny stories. And um, I hope some people out there enjoyed it and I'll be sure to tag you on Instagram um, in when I post this episode, which will come out in a few weeks uh, and I miss your face. I wish I could give right you right a on. big hug. I, to
1: through the screen.
0: <laughs> I hope to That's see you so cool. with one of my upcoming virtual things. Yes, I would love to. I have very much
1: enjoyed being a part of them and stuff with Dez and it's, yeah, it's been great. So thank you from
0: afar. And thank you for having me. This was so wonderful. I can't yeah. wait for the next episodes. Thank you so much, Mandy. I hope you have a great day.